Welcome into another episode of In the Pen, a podcast about relievers, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm your host, Cal Nelslicker, and as always, I am joined, warming up in the bullpen, by Rick Graham, Pitcherless own bullpen expert. Rick, we made it. We are just a few days away from opening day. How are you feeling? How, scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you? Uh, I'd say I put that at 11 right now. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah, to think that our our next podcast will actually be able to talk about real, you know, regular season results. It's really crazy. I we've said on multiple shows. I did not believe we'd get to this point this early mm-hmm. in season, but I'm not going to complain. I'm excited as I always am for opening day, but it just has an added level of excitement because of what we went through this off season. But it's going to be great, and we're going to have a lot to talk about. So let's power through. We're going to get through our last preseason show of the season. But there is a lot to talk about. A lot of news has happened. We're going to break down some of the news that's happened in the past week since we recorded, included, including a pretty big trade that you may have heard of, and then some of the repercussions of that. And then go through some more pictures on Rick's list that you can find on PitcherList.com. We're not going to go through the obvious names because they're obvious. You know what you're going to get from him but kind of dive a little bit deeper into some of those confusing names on the back end, the confusing closed situations, and dive a little deeper as to guys to target late in your draft because we're getting that point. We're actually in a part late in our draft right now for a pitcherless podcast network draft. So we may be making a live pick while we're on air. So that'll provide you a little bit of entertainment as well. Yes, and we can't guarantee it's going to be a reliever, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. We wanted to make it work that way, but we're at the point now where relievers are just... There's, we got our closers, and it's too yeah. early to take one of those speculative guys. So I don't think we'll make a reliever pick, but we'll keep you guys in mind when we do. So <laughs> let's get right into the news. And a guy you may have heard of, we speculated about this name being moved like everybody else in the baseball industry. But Craig Kimbrell has finally been traded. He's going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So Rick, if you're still drafting at this point, where does this vault? Where does this vault, Kimbrel? Have you put out your latest list? Where do you have him? What tier do you put him in? And how early do you draft him now? I have him right now. I think I have him at five for the list that's coming out on Tuesday the fifth, uh, which is you know about where it, nothing's really changed. I was as long as he was in a, a closer role somewhere, he was going to be a top six to eight option, but. You know, landing in L.A., obviously, it's a great situation. He's the closer, nothing to worry about there. Um, so, yeah, I have I'm, even even after his absolutely disastrous debut in, with with the Dodgers, I have no no worries about him and taking him as, you know, an elite, you know, to second tier type closer option. And then what does this do for we know the. The setup, guys. We have Blake Tryon now drops all the way down. It's where, you know, in terms of holds, how high would you value him in terms of the next guys up in throughout the league? Yeah, I think Tryon I mean, try becomes one of the, you know, top five or so setup options. If you're in a holds league, he's still, you know, don't drop him. He's still worth, he's still valuable. Um, and then I think like someone like Daniel Hudson gets probably hurt the most here. I, I think. Possibly Gratterall gets pushed down the pecking order, but I think between Trinan and I think Vezia is going to be a factor. He's the he's the lefty out of the pen, so I think Vezia and Trinan are still the two top setup guys there. 
And then same question for the White Sox. Craig Kimbrell's out of the way, so who becomes the next guy up if, God forbid, something happens to Liam Hendricks? Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I remember like looking at their bullpen not too long ago and thinking like this is the deepest bullpen in baseball possibly. And now looking at it, it's you know it's it's Hendricks, Bummer, and you know Graveman are two of the you know they're two top fifteen you know holds options. And then after that, it's 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 really thin. It's like Ronaldo. Rin- I mean, Joe Kelly's hurt. He's going to be back at some point. But like it's you know Ronaldo Lopez and. Jose Ruiz so it's it's really you know Bumber and Graveman are gonna have to carry them to get to the ninth inning for Hendricks this year and we should mention along with Chicago that maybe it holds option Garrett Crochet is out for the season now he's mm-hmm. going to be getting Tommy John surgery so take him off your board he probably was in that middle t- middle round uh, middle relief role for the White Sox and maybe could have factored in some saves so cross him off there's look at him in the future but he's going to be out for the season so that like you said makes the white Sox bullpen still yeah, deep you got the loss. obvious big names but it's definitely definitely a loss as long and also losing um lance lynn for time being maybe they push mm-hmm. ronaldo lopez or somebody into the rotation for a spot start so keep an eye on there but the two elite guys after hendricks bummer and graveman are definite must drafts the next trade is nowhere near as exciting but it's still it still may mean something for fantasy baseball and involved in two New York teams. The Yankees traded Jolie Rodriguez to the New York Mets in exchange for Miguel Castro. Obviously, they're in the middle of the relief role, but does this have any sort of significance to you? Do you do you consider them for holds or anything for fantasy purposes? Yeah, I think they're both. They're both. I think they're around like the fifty to sixty range in my holds rankings, which. You know, I've, I'm, I've, with both of them, I've had them high. I've had them as high as about twenty before. So it's like, there's they're both talented pitchers, and I think from a like a baseball standpoint, this trade makes a ton of sense. The, the Mets needed to get a lefty. You know, the Yankees have you know a couple other options with you know Peralta and Lukey, and I I think Castro's like the he's like the exact type of like arm the Yankees love out of the bullpen, just the really good slider. You know. Um, can touch you know ninety nine, hundred. So I think it makes it's a good trade that makes sense for both teams. I don't know if it helps their value right now. It's kind of a wait and see thing, but definitely two names to keep an eye on. Yeah, you mentioned it. the Mets definitely needed that lefty. I don't think Chase and Shreve or Alex Claudio were going to be major factors. So this is a good guy from again for the Yankees. We mentioned Miguel Castro in our nationally previewed last week as a you know, a specialist in terms of that slider, someone I look out for with the nastiest pitches article. So that's going to be fun watching my team have a pitcher like that. So trade works out both sides. It's not as exciting for fantasy purposes, but it's worth two guys worth monitoring to see if they can get into some high leverage because we know the Yankees have had success with these sort of guys with Clay Holmes and Loisaga and Green. So maybe Castro can work his way into that mix a little bit. The last trade that was... Of note, and we should re- note that normally we record these on Tuesday nights due to scheduling conflicts. We are recording on Monday, April 4th. So if another breaking trade comes out on Tuesday, we won't get our reaction to that until next week. But join a Discord, look out for Twitter. We'll be react, we'll make sure to put a reaction out there for tweet per- for our purposes. But we due to scheduling conflicts, we're not gonna be able to record on our usually scheduled day. So the final trade that may have a bit more fantasy purposes. 
took place between the Marlins and the Orioles. The Orioles unloaded two of their best relievers in Cole Sulzer and Tanner Scott to the Miami Marlins. We know that, you know, this may transition into it, but we can get this out of the way or these two teams. We know the Orioles, those were probably the two higher names for saves. What do we even do with Baltimore trying to go for saves now? It kind of takes away our, our first team we previewed on the show was Baltimore. And now we have to almost re-preview it again. Where does Baltimore stand now if you're trying to find saves? Yeah, it's kind of a shame because like Cole Solcer was looking like a really nice, like a you know good late round speculative closer who could maybe you know give you good ratios and maybe get 20 saves but now it's i've heard like jorge lopez's name thrown around and i think that could make some sense like he's you know he has a good he's good stuff maybe it plays up a little bit better in the back end you know he's failed as a starter but we've seen a ton of failed starters become really good relievers so maybe he's he's that type of guy dylan tate's been you know he he closed out a couple games last year he's probably i guess he's the most experienced of the group now so it's probably between lopez and tate are they worth it in a 12 the standard 12 teamer probably not probably wait and see but you know if you're in a 16 teamer it might be worth taking a shot on one of them I just threw up in my mouth a little bit thinking about Jorge Lopez as a save option just because of what we've seen from him getting DFA'd from Kansas City, never really getting anything going. And Dylan Tate, I feel like he's got the best stuff, but his strikeout numbers are just are just not there mm-hmm. for anything for fantasy purposes. But we know you need saves, and if you're in a deep league and if you're in a 15-team or an FBC or instead of 16-team or those deeper leagues, you need to find saves where you can get them. So keep an eye out for these guys and see what you can do there but it's it's ugly in Baltimore I don't know how many saves you're gonna get but you got to find them where you can and moving over to the Miami side of this these were two guys we really liked for saves for Baltimore do they fit into the picture now of Miami yeah it's a good I mean it just like completely muddles Miami's situation because it was a three person race and now it's to like a five to six person race you know because it sounds like it sounds like Dylan Floro is actually not going to miss that much time. So now there's about there's six names there that are all kind of in the closer closer mix, and I I don't think anyone has any idea who's going to you know win that job right away. So I think Solzer I mean, definitely has a chance too. I, it's just yeah, it's it's gonna it's I don't even think it's worth speculating on in twelve teamers here, but. Definitely, it kind of sucks the wind out of Anthony Bender's sales. So Yeah, I was really excited about Anthony Bender. He was going to be someone I was taking late. I took him late in a couple drafts prior to his trade, and mm-hmm. I just took the wind out of my sales with that. And He may be one of my next drops in TGFBI now because of how, obviously, I'll keep an eye on it if it works out, but unfortunately, I may have to take a, an early L on his, on his closer speculation and I don't like doing that that necessarily, Rick. I'm not gonna lie. I don't like no. I don't like taking L's necessarily. It's too, it is too early for that. And I, even taking someone like Bender that late, it's it's still kind of kind of hurts to be like, oh well, to kind of just give up on him this early, you know. It's but you have to make moves, and you know, I get it. Yeah. So that, this kind of transitions us into what we wanted to spend the rest of this show talking about. 
Rick had his article out with the top 30, with top save candidates, top closers in the league, closing time. Where can you they find that article? Obviously, you can find it on pitcherlist.com, but you put a link out on Twitter. Where can they find that for on Twitter? Yeah, if they follow me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham or follow the In the Pen podcast on Twitter as well at In the Pen Pod. No one plugs us, but no one plugs our own show better than us. <laughs> I just got to say that. But yeah, yeah keep an eye out. We're going to be putting that. Rick puts a lot of work into that, and we're going to have on the site daily articles recapping what bullpens look like that will help me immensely in trying to prepare a good show. But what we wanted to do is dive into these middling closer situations. Obviously, the elite guys are the elite guys. There's not too much difference, we're going to say, the top 15 or so. You know they're going to get saves. You know what you're going to get out of them. So we want to dive into these deeper closer situations. Who's going to lead them in saves? Try and give you those late round options. We preview the teams, but we want to take a a deeper look into those and try and clear things up a little bit. So we started off with Baltimore, Miami. I think we dove pretty well into that, but just before we kind of transition, if you have to take a Baltimore reliever, I know you kind of, it was Lopez or Tate. If you have to pick one, if our listeners are in their late rounds of our drafts, Who's going to lead Baltimore in saves? I'm going to I'm going to take Jorge Lopez cuz I just I I see the stuff and I I feel like there's a there's something there for him to transition into a pretty good reliever and I this the strikeout upside's definitely there more than it is with Tate so I'll, I'll go with Lopez but I I I I can't picture someone getting more than 12 saves in this bullpen this year. Yeah, it's going to be ugly. I'll take the opposite side. I'll, I'll say Tate just because he was mm. in the bullpen most time. He was in the later game situations for Baltimore last year. But I admit to what you said that the strikeout upside is really not there for Tate and it might be better for Lopez, but just trends from last year is where I'm going for that. But don't rely on it. Right, please look at almost any other team on this list that we're going to go through today to find your late saves. Well, that, that's the thing. This whole list, everyone we're about to go through is, I mean, it's close to flip a coin as, you know, possible for a lot of these teams. Yeah, but at least some of these teams have maybe a guy or at least will get wins yeah. that can lead to saves. Baltimore, you don't know how many actually wins they're going to get. And then over to Miami. It's a big monster that you said it's probably going to be about six players deep, but who's your... Who's your favorite in in this closer battle? I obviously, I mean, I I like Bender the as the better pitcher. I feel like he should be closing, but it's not always the best pitcher who's closing games. So I think Sound the Floor threw a bullpen today. You know, everything went well, so I think he gets back early enough, and you know, they probably slot him back into the role, and he can probably go on to close 20 or so games yeah i'll, I'll take bender just because i, I don't want to like i said i don't want to take an elvis early i think he just has the best stuff and it will lead to that but there's so many people deep they obviously have a reason for training for colster or scott they have multiple lefties so that could let scott get some saves or Blyer get saves but mm-hmm. i'll stick with bender just because of i believe he's the best pitcher and want to buy into that over anybody else but i'm willing to admit quickly that I could very much be wrong with there. So the next next one that we want to dive into is the Seattle Mariners. We've 
during our preview, we talked about how deep Penn is. There's multiple guys, but this is a team we're clearly very excited about. One of us had them as a playoff team, and you know, we should be very a lot of save opportunities. Ken Giles is going to start the year on the injured list due to finger discomfort, so maybe that takes him. It makes it a little bit more clear. So if we're trying to peg saves in Seattle, which way are you going? This is another one of those kind of like who should it be versus who will it be? And, you know, see, I think Paul Seawald's earned the right to be the closer here. He, you know, had a huge season last year. Like almost, I mean, if they made the playoffs last year, that's like, you know, the reason, almost the reason why. And so I, I feel like he has the best strikeout upside. He's, probably yeah he's got the highest upside in the bullpen so he should be the closer but drew second rider even still last year second rider who had a really good year but i don't think a it's sustainable and b i just i still think seawall was better so i feel like second rider is gonna be there and you know diego castillo's got a closer experience and just you know gives them the, that, that three-headed closer monster they had last year still there plus you know ken giles when he returns in early may late april who yeah who who leads this team in saves is anyone's guess but i'm still targeting seawald as if he is so i think he's worth a shot in late rounds pretty much everywhere and you know if he doesn't close out 20 games he should still be fine for strikeouts and ratios yeah, swear. I really still want to say Diego Castillo will be a thing, and I think he is right up there in terms of stuff with Seawald. But it seems like they want him as the uh, the fireman in the bigger situations mm-hmm. in the seventh and eighth innings, and likely getting the ball to one of these two guys. So I'll I'll, I'll agree with you that Seawald's a guy I'd rather take, but you can't argue with second rider. And I, if you're in that late rounds of your drafts, I wouldn't mind taking just a shot on second rider and seeing what happens. Yeah, he, he, he I was he, he's like, you know, he's not going to get the strikeouts. He's not going to have the he's not the fancy option like Seawall or Castillo, but he very well could, you know, wind up leading the team in saves and no one would be surprised by that. Yeah, I think we've really have a, a good case for that. And it's uh, he's not going to make Scott service is not going to make things easy on us. And, you know, that's going to be a situation you monitor very, very closely this season. But speaking of monitoring closely, we always have done that with Tampa Bay, and this season may be another one of those situations. It still seems like it's Andrew Kittredge, but it's always a situation worth discussing as he's near the bottom of your ranks because of Tampa Bay. Is he the favorite? How confident would you be drafting him because of that? Yeah, I think, you know, with... Fairbanks missing time and Anderson missing time. Those are two big, you know, two guys that would have been big competition for him. So, but it's even, even still like this raised bullpen just continues to churn out and they still have Chargo, Whistler, you know, if they want to use a lefty, Brooks Raley or Springs is back. So it's going to still be a committee, but I feel like this could, I wouldn't be surprised if like this is the year kind of they just stuck with someone like Kittredge in the role and maybe we get, you know, 20, 25, 30 saves from him. I mean, 
they kind of ran with uh, you know Emilio Pagan a couple of years ago, so it's it's not totally out of the question that they you know pick someone and stick with them. Yeah, and this, like I said, this is the most likely of all the guys we've talked about. I'd be most willing to take Kittredge because of his competition. I think he would be the highest of these relievers, but you have to remember what Tampa Bay does and be willing to pivot. But he seems like the guy, he got those opportunities. They like their relievers in Fires and in Chargo, but they seem like they're similar to what we said about Castillo setting the ball up to get to Kittredge. So mm. I would agree. Kittredge has a very good chance of getting these saves, but you know what Tampa Bay does is find a reliever that none of us have heard of, have him compete for saves and like they do with Nick Anderson and all these other guys. So just be willing to pivot. But I think he is of the guys we've talked about so far, definitely my favorite. Yeah, I'd agree. And sticking in the AL East, we go over to Boston. Matt Barnes seems to be the guy and, you know, at least that's what people have said, but, is Jake Diekman going to eat into that right now? How confident would you be drafting Barnes for a Red Sox team that, unfortunately, me saying that it's going to be pretty good this year? <laughs> the thing, yeah, with Barnes, it's he's hasn't looked quite right this spring, which is, you know, I was big on Barnes heading into the year. I thought he was, you know, a prime bounce-back candidate. Uh, but his stuff's down, his velo's down. He's They're calling it a mechanical issue, and, you know, Sure, it like it, it. It may be, it could be, but the spring hasn't been going well for him. But working in his favor is none of the Red Sox relievers have looked good this spring for the most part. So, I still think he opens the year as the closer. Yeah, Deakman will be around. Um, it sounds like Whitlock's going to be in a kind of a stretched out role, like um, piggybacking off Rich Hill. So. I don't think Whitlock's really a closer candidate anymore. Uh, but maybe they brought back Hansel Robles, and I the kind of I don't like it. Doesn't feels kind of gross to say it, but I mean he might be next in line at this point. So you know, I, Hansel Robles for those in really deep leagues, it, he might be the Red Sox closer again. Maybe this is what's going to make me throw up in my mouth again. I don't know. That's another. That's another name. It's a. It's a gross situation. Barnes seems like the guy, but you've watched plenty of Red Sox games and hearing that his velo's down and stuff's not looking great makes you very concerned. And you have to be if you're Boston willing to pivot quick. So mm-hmm. it's definitely definitely a situation to monitor, just like it is for this next team in Pittsburgh. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how many saves there actually be. We talked about it last week of our National League preview, but nobody else has stepped into it. So it's still David Bednar versus Chris Stratton. Who's your favorite of those two? Definitely Bednar. And I see this is, I, I think it was in 2019 when Shane Green had, he was leading the league in saves after two months on a really bad Detroit Tigers team. And ever since that happened, I was, I've always been like, well, it, if you know, it doesn't matter how good the team is, like there's still going to be save opportunities potentially. Like if you're winning, if you're winning only, you know, 40, 30 percent of your games, as long as they're, you know, within two to three runs, you know, you're going to have save opportunities. So that plus like a Bender's pure stuff is just it's disgusting. Like if he was on a good team closing out games, he would be a top 10 closer easily. So it's really hard for me to just like ignore him completely. But that said, 
Pittsburgh is going to be bad, and the timeshare of Stratton is it's really frustrating. Um, but I still think Bednar is worth it. He's sliding down in drafts to probably where he should be, which is a late-round pick, which at that point I think he's worth a flyer. So it sounds like of these guys, he's maybe your favorite. Is there any of them that you would take over Bednar's or you would be most willing to take the chance on him out of the guys we said so far? I would still take a chance because of the wins do matter, obviously. So I'm still taking a chance on, you know, a Seawald or Kittredge first. And then Mm -hmm. after that, I think I might be putting Bednar above Barnes. Um right now in case unless Barnes shows something in the next like, like the, if they say they've fixed his mechanics we'll see if like we see a drastic change then that changes things but like, I, I I think Bednar is at least a safe you know just solid reliever and even if he only gets 12 saves you know strikeouts and ratios still matter so yeah I'd say Bednar behind the two the Seattle and Tampa Bay guys yeah, I like that. It's unfortunate that he's in this committee, but Derek Shelton's at least, or yeah, he's at least came out and said that this is going to be a committee and let us be aware of that rather than us just finding that out early in the season. So draft with caution, but I would totally agree that he's so much better for the job. But if you're in a deep, deep league, keep an eye on Chris Stratton because he may be right there quick and. It's not pretty, but that's how it, it sounds like it's going to be. I just, why can't the Pirates give us something like good, like something fun? They did they demoted O'Neill Cruz. Can they give us like Bednar, like something exciting? I even It's not even that exciting, but I don't know. Just come yeah, on. And, and even Kip Ryan Hayes is battling an injury, yeah. which sounds oh. like he'll be okay. But gosh, come on, come on, Pittsburgh. Everyone's promoting <laughs> guys. Everyone's doing fun things right now. And, right? and you're not. And that's just not, that's not fun. No, but. One of those teams that are doing fun things is the Detroit Tigers. And their closed situation may be getting a bit clearer this this, uh, this spring training. Michael Fulmer hasn't looked great, so maybe this sets up Gregory Soto as the clear closer. I say maybe because it's another we'll see sort of thing. How confident would you be for Soto with his job security? Or is Fulmer, even with a bad spring, someone that still is going to eat away at it? Yeah, it's a good a good point with Fulmer. I I think Soto Soto's such a volatile like he has been since you know he became a big name in the reliever you know realm. He's so volatile that you're just like it's almost like you're waiting for. It just depends on when that like big that like week of bad outings comes. If it comes early, then he could he probably loses his job and doesn't bounce back from it. But if it happens in the middle of the year he'll probably be able to survive it. So I guess it just depends on when when he kind of has his you know cold streak throughout the year. Um, yeah, Fulmer hasn't been great. There's some other interesting arms arms in this bullpen, but like like I mean, Funkhauser's hurt. Lang's interesting. Joe Jimenez has always been a kind of a you know teased us with his talent, but hasn't really put it all together. Um, and yeah, if Andrew Schaefer's healthy, then that makes a big difference. But I think, yeah, with I think Soto's still the favorite for saves here, but I'm still not giving up on Fulmer as a, you know, a legitimate, you know, p- potential, you know, good closer here. 
and like we said with the AL preview, AJ Hinch was known last year for never naming a closer. Every week, reporters would ask him about who his closer is, and he would not answer that. So it's going to make that a, a headache situation. But I'm becoming more willing to draft Soto than I was just because of how Fulmer has been in spring. But I don't want to put too much stock into that because he'll still be around. He'll still get his opportunities. But maybe this makes Soto more set. But then again, Soto's never been a fully established guy where you can be so confident yeah. with it. So I put him probably ahead ahead of some of these guys, but you know, Fulmer is still someone I want to take a shot on, but I'm a little mm-hmm. less willing to do it, but I'll still, I'm still buying in that he'll get his opportunities and moving. And we'll move on over now to San Diego, which has still made things not very clear. Although trade rumors from this past weekend, maybe take one name out of, the running, but who knows? Rick, what the heck are we doing here? Who who leads San Diego in saves if you want to try and... I know we didn't have an answer last week. We probably don't have it this week, but let's try. I've uh, I've actually... I think... I don't know, we never have an answer, but I think I've come around to Robert Suarez being the closer here. And mm. I'm trying to figure out how how high up he belongs here, but I, I think just reading, you know, reading notes from interviews and, you know, I, the fa- they were just the, the Padres were will just wanting, they were going to get rid of Emilio Pagan just to get rid of Eric Hosmer's contract. And if that's, you know, Suarez's top competition, I feel like that kind of makes him a little, it makes him safe, you know, and going into the season, uh, he's looked great this spring. His stuff, I mean, plays really well. It's, and I, I think, you know, coming over from the, a lot of these relievers, actually pitchers in general coming over from Japan or Korea in their, their first year, I feel like in, in, in the in Major League Baseball, they typically have pretty good success. And maybe it doesn't, it's only one year, maybe it doesn't last, but I feel like, you know, hitters aren't used to, they haven't seen a lot of them. So I just, I kind of am really feeling Robert Suarez right now and I think he's like a must like he's into the must draft category for me now. I like that. I'm still not giving up on Denelson Lamette for this mm-hmm. job. He hasn't had a good spring and that makes Suarez safe. I definitely think Suarez leads it. But if you're in late in your drafts, I'm taking a shot on Denelson Lamette just because of what he is. It may be even more of a best ball pick, but I want to see what this guy can do in the back end of the pen because his stuff can be electric. So I'm taking that shot. I do agree Suarez is the favorite, and I'm becoming more willing to draft him than I was at all draft season. I'm probably not going to get him now because of how late I became willing to draft him. But if you're late in your drafts, I think you could be more confident with Suarez because Pagan's now out of the mix. Pierce Johnson, Austin Adams aren't big threats. The biggest one to me is Lament, and you know he's not exactly the biggest threat in the world. Uh, I mean... With Lamet, yeah, good. Like, it's a good name to bring up because I, I, he's moving up my save and hold or my holds, you know, leader or rankings. So, I think even if he's not closing, I feel like he's still going to be a huge weapon for them. Yeah, I, I want to say it happen. I want to say it. we're going to take a brief break. When we get back, before we get to these other teams, we're on the clock. We are on the clock in our pitcher lists podcast network battle of the pods draft. So you'll hear a quick thought process on what we should do with this coming pick, and then we'll dive back in to the remaining couple of confusing closed situations. 
And we're back from this that, that brief message. So before we move on to these other remaining confuser closed situations, we got to make a pick, Rick. We go, we're up on the clock in this battle of the podcast. So real quickly, before we lose listeners, let's let's figure this out. Who are we looking at? So, yeah, I, I feel like we need to go with a starter here. We're at pick 199, by the way, for all those that are interested. Um, so, yeah, there's not a lot of pitching left. We probably should add a starter or an out, I don't know fielder, but I think starter is more more pressing right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I definitely we want I want a starter. Obviously, it's not our most exciting pick. You obviously people want us pick us a pick a reliever, but we can't do it at this point. There's not many relievers that are interesting up there. I'm good. We talked about it before the show. Adam Wainwright with that matchup with Pittsburgh is interesting. I'm willing to do that. I don't. I like Hyunjin Ryu. They're both they're safe names that i'm good with i don't know if you have anyone else in mind at this at this point i'm looking at the board yeah there's not there's not a lot exciting here um so yeah i agree take wainwright you know get that good matchup out of the way and and you know go from there boom the first live pick in the history of this podcast will be adam wainwright not what you expected to hear on a podcast about relievers but Hey, he relieved at one point, so that's got to count for something. True. So let's get back over to what you actually turned into this show for, and that is the relievers. And one of the names that was on the board that we could have took for relievers was Camilo Duvall, but that's not anything we want to do at this point because of recent comments. So, but is he still someone you want to speculate on saves, or has Jake McGee just taken all this wind out of those sales? Um, I I think like so yeah. If, if it comes down to our last pick, like Duvall might be worth a shot just because again he's in a similar situation where like the best stuff in the bullpen he probably deserve he should he probably should be closing if we're basing it off you know stuff and strikeout ability and you know I'm not I I I I think Jake McGee's good he's solid he's not I don't think he's you know without his flaws so someone who throws you know 90 plus percent fastballs and you know he gets touched up a little bit so i i, I still think Duvall is worth worth a shot I, it's tough though because we did see two different kind of we, we saw two Duvalls last year you know Duvalls we we saw the early season one who really struggled with command and then we saw you know this, the one in september who was arguably the best reliever in baseball in September. So it's tough to say. I I think I'm going to say, though, that he leads this team in saves this year. I think, Ooh. you know, McGee's going to have a couple of rough outings in April and Duvall comes in and, you know, takes the job, runs with it. I'm still going to put McGee up there, but it's a, not a situation I'm fully attacking because we have to remember Tyler Rogers is also going to yeah. fit into this mix as well. And, Maybe that makes it more likely it goes to one of them, but I still think they'll go with the more safe option. They like what they got from McGee last year, and they'll go back to that. It won't be great. I think one of these guys, the leader in this first team for saves, might be 15 saves. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be three guys with eight saves or more. So, you know, deep leagues, you're going to want to target this pen, just, you know, be ready to burn and churn and 
move quickly through all these teams, but San Francisco is one of those that definitely is on that, definitely belongs here. For sure. And another one that you're going to be burning and churning is Washington. We talked about it last week and kind of ended our preview on a sour note talking about Mm -hmm. Washington, and it's still pretty sour. But again, we kind of came away with it. One guy that we were more interested in. Has that changed? Is Kyle is Tanner Rainey still the guy you're more interested in, or are you starting to get back with uh back in on Kyle Finnegan? Yeah, so this is I kind of part part of the reason why I wanted to break up Washington is Tanner Rainey has not been he has not looked that great this spring, and he didn't look great last spring. And I chalked it up last spring as ah, you know, just you know, reliever relievers sometimes struggle in the spring, not a big deal. But we saw how it played out in the regular season where he was just awful and it's kind of it's it i hate to say it but i i think i'm moving out of the tannerani bandwagon and not that i'm i'm not like high i don't believe in kyle finnegan as the long-term answer here but it does kind of move up my board slightly because he does have some sort of job security where you know at least five six other teams have like no the closer whoever that is doesn't have any so i guess finnegan is a better look worth worth a look later in drafts than than rainy at this point Ah, that makes me sad because last week we were just hyping up tanner rainy and i i won't lie i hadn't been paying as close attention as to who was leading that battle in washington and dang i'm sad now but if kyle finnegan he's looked good and rainy hasn't looked as good so maybe it makes finnegan more intriguing I'll still take a late shot on Tanner Rainey, but again, it's the same stuff we said with Baltimore. Are you going to get many save opportunities out of Washington? No, but you know, maybe you try and jump on it early and try and find the right time to jump ship before it mm-hmm. turns ugly. And another ugly situation that I'm trying to is besides these transitions that are pretty ugly, but another ugly situation is in Cincinnati where. We were hyping up Art Warren. We've been telling people, get Art Warren. Is that still our position since in the, over this past week, or have spring performances kind of pushed other relievers into this more into this mix? It should be it should be what we're saying today, but based off you know things I've what I've read and what I've seen, it's it looks like you know Louis Sessa and Hunter Strickland are very very much in the, the, the mix to close out games with Sessa maybe getting the, the edge, which is kind of surprising, but also not because this is the Cincinnati Reds and they do some head scratch, they make some head scratching moves. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's a shame because Art Warren is definitely the most, even with Lucas Sims healthy, I still think Warren's the, that like the, the most talented option in that bullpen. And it would be great to see Warren as like the one, the ninth inning guy and Sims, you know, being able to work, you know, seventh and eighth inning. And, um, but I just don't feel like the Reds are going to make the right move here. And yeah, it's, it hurts. Here's a name to keep an eye on as well. Who's in this mix who you go on fan graphs, you go on roster resource, the current, Leader for at least people on the current roster, not include Lucas Sims, projected leader in saves is Tony Santion yeah. with six. So <laughs> keep keep an eye on him. He was the high highish in their 
prospect ranks over the past year. So maybe they keep him involved in this mix. They're trying to find their version of TJ Antone to come in. Yeah. Like you said, what you want Lucas Sims role to be. So we'll see who gets into that. That might clear his picture up a little bit, but right now it's a very, very blurry picture. I don't even know if I can recommend taking a late shot on any of these guys because of how blurry it is. Art Warren's definitely my favorite. And if I'm putting my name out there, Art Warren will lead this team in saves, but I hope so. I'm becoming less and less convinced of it over the past, over the next couple of weeks, over these weeks. Continuing on with that trend of teams I'm becoming less and less convinced of, it's the Chicago Cubs. I don't know what's going to go on here. I don't know if it's going to be Givens, Wick, David Robertson, someone else I'm not mentioning. Rick, help me out here. What's going on in Chicago? Nothing has really changed. It still looks like a four-headed closer monster, but... I guess if I had to, if I'm making a pick here, if I had had to choose, I think I think David Robertson might start the year as a closer. Um, I know I sound super confident saying that. Yeah, um, very. <laughs> I just I I want like a, I think we kind of touched on it last time. I want Michael. I feel like Michael Givens still could. There's still something in there where he could like kind of break out even i know he's not the like, the youngest reliever youngest pitcher out there but i feel like there's still more there um but until i see that i feel like the tea leaves are kind of hinting at david robertson starting the year as a closer um yeah i guess wick's still there you can't rule him out completely but yeah it's really just a, this is a situation that i don't really think is even worth chasing outside of really deep leagues i don't see anyone getting more than 20 more than 15 saves here maybe no i don't think anyone gets 15 saves as a yankee fan i would like to see david robertson still yeah relevant and still pitch well so it's a it's nice to see that i'm still not taking my money off michael Givens. there's something about him how he was used last year when he got traded over to cincinnati colorado we put time in he was using that role. I don't know if he's going to be... Again, it's, he might not get to the 15 saves, but I'll say him. I think he they signed that free agent contract kind of right after the lockout to be in that sort of role. He's going to compete. There's no doubt about it. But I think he has a leg up just based off what Robertson's done these past yeah. couple years, which hasn't been anything crazy. Rowan Wicks, their homegrown guy, so they might... Or not homegrown, but he's been in the organization the longest, so they might like his stuff best. But there's something about givens that and them going out and purposely getting him and putting him right in this role that i'm, I'm kind of buying into it so i'm still gonna take a shot on michael givens but it's with a uh again with not so much confidence yeah i hope you're right i hope it is givens but yeah well i guess we'll see and now for us to admit when we are wrong on our al preview we talked about how joe barlow was a a safe guy for early season saves. And we thought we were pretty comfortable with that. And well, Chris Woodward doesn't really agree with us. It sounds like Joe Barlow isn't exactly as locked in as a closer for Texas as we thought. So is he still your favorite to get saves in Texas or is other, who are these other guys that are in the mix that are worth keeping an eye on? I feel Chris Woodward is slowly becoming like the biggest headache for people trying to figure out who clo- like for closer 
purposes. I feel like it's every year. There's before it was like you know Jose Leclerc is he the closer is he not? Now it's Joe Barlow who I don't see why he doesn't deserve to start the year as closer. Um, but apparently Woodward doesn't feel comfortable with him there, so it maybe he wants to go with the old veteran and Greg Holland, which is boring, but mm-hmm. I mean, it happens. <laughs> so I think Holland, I guess right now is the favorite. It could be Spencer Patton, um, but I, I can't picture them going with Patton over Barlow who, you know, both of them were here last year and Barlow closed Patton set him up. So yeah. there was some weird feeling I got when the Greg Holland move was announced where I'm like, yeah. he's going to be relevant in fantasy this year, isn't he? And you look on roster resource, he's currently not projected to make the roster, so obviously keep an eye on that. But if he, they went out and got Albert Abreu from the Yankees, but I don't think he gets into the closer role. But um, I, I, I like Barlow, and I still think he will lead. I don't think Matt Bush, he's currently in this mix, but we've tried this too many times with Texas. I don't think he's going to work out. Garrett Richards is probably more of a, middle relief goal role. I don't think he works his way to be the closer. So I'm still would say Barlow is the favorite, but if Greg Holland is on this roster, then he's going to eat into it. I, I can't just escape that feeling. Yeah. I, I, I Greg, yeah. Garrett Richards is another name that I've seen thrown around, but I, I just can't picture him closing out games. He, he, he did have some success as a reliever with the Red Sox last year, but like you, he, he's more of a, like, you know, two to three inning guy. You should be more of a, you know, two to three inning kind of fireman option than a closer. And yeah, Matt Bush, I, I like, are we not over? We're not mm-hmm. over the Matt Bush experiment yet. There's always those names where you look at and it's, haven't we done this before? Haven't we seen this movie yeah. enough times where it's like, let's move on from this. But Matt Bush is just the right at the top of the list of like, let's just give up on that idea. But yeah, in holds leagues, I'll take a shot on Richards. Like I said, he had success with Boston, and I think he'll be involved in this mix where he's helping get the ball to Barlow. But I, I would still put my money for saves for Barlow. But the more you see from Garrett Richards, the more interested I am in terms of holds from getting him. It's just some. It's some. I I just am seeing this right now that you know Holland and Spencer Pat, even Spencer Patton might not make the opening day roster, which I thought he was pretty much a lock you know, leading up to the season. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what's going on there. And let's not forget, too, that Jose Leclerc and Jonathan Hernandez are working their yes. way back from Tommy John and will eat into this mix by mid-season or so. Maybe it'll ease it in, but it wouldn't shock me if they're involved in this mix by that mid-season. So try and jump the saves early, and then this might be another team you jump off by mid-season and go find another confusing team to the stream. Hmm. And wrapping up our segment on these confusing closer situations is maybe the most confusing team in the entire league, and it's Colorado. They signed Alex Colome. We thought, okay, at least we know who's going to be getting saves. But again, comments by Bud Black have tempered those expectations. So is he still the favorite for these, how many save opportunities Colorado is going to get? Yeah, I think, you know, Bud Black has to... He- have a lot of pull and making obviously the decision making there so if he's saying that he wants a closer who's got you know high strikeout strikeout upside then 
tend to believe that he's you know he's he's saying this for a reason so i think that definitely puts call may on on notice at least um you know bar bard has had some success he's also had some some issues he had some issues last year but bard's the strikeout guy there outside of you know, him and robert stevenson who i can't imagine I, I love stevenson i think he's one of the better relievers there, but I just can't imagine them putting him above Colome, Bard, Estevez. So I'm kind of leaning towards Bard starting the year as the closer based off the comments and that Black's made. So I'm going to, and I, I wouldn't even, I don't really trust anyone here. I don't think it's worth chasing, but you know, it might be just, you know, worth monitoring how, if Bard starts in the role, seeing how he looks. So if he starts the year, do you think he ends with the most saves, or does he pull Daniel Bard from last year and turn his role over quickly? That's the thing. It's it's Colorado. It's none of these guys are particularly, you know, you're not going to mistake them for, you know, Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks. So it's like there's probably going to be a lot of volatility here. There's going to be some turnover. There's you know a, probably a couple couple guys end up you know getting five to eight saves maybe 10 to 12 but i don't think probably another team where we're not probably not going to see anyone with 15 or more saves yeah and you mentioned a name to keep an eye on this pen you've mentioned on our show last week you mentioned in the discord robert stevenson is someone that we should keep an eye on in terms of he gets that sort of use whether it's deep in the game as holds or if he works his way into his closer conversation i don't think that he's entirely out of the running either but probably want to avoid this situation because it's colorado and i don't mm-hmm. want a colorado closer even though i may have drafted him at some point in one of our our leagues and on the community of the leagues then the problem with stevenson too is the one problem you don't want there is that he's is prone to giving up a lot of home runs mm-hmm. so you know, he misses a lot of bats, but when he does miss bats, they tend to go a long ways. Imagine being him. Your problem is giving up long balls and you get traded. It's like, yes, I finally can use this. Oh, I'm going where? Get out okay. of Cincinnati to go to Colorado. Yep. Ugh, what a world. What a, what a thing baseball is. So that wraps up that segment. Just if you made it this far and you got through all these teams, thank you. Who are your three favorites of these guys? If you had to pinpoint, I know it's, there's a lot of names we went through, but if you had to pick the three guys you're most willing to take late in your draft, who would those be? I'll go, I'll kind of mix it up here. I'll go with Kittredge, uh, Robert Suarez. And then I think if you, if like one of Bednar Duval fall, that's the option. Um, yeah. Whichever one falls the farthest. I think it makes sense. I I would agree with Kittredge in there. I'd agree that Suarez is getting right up there. And I, I think I'm getting to that point where I'm becoming more confident with Matt Barnes with Boston. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just don't know how much Jake Diekman or Hansel Robles really are anything. But as a Red Sox yeah, as a Red Sox fan, I really hope you're right because I don't want to see I want to see Matt Barnes being, you know, the Matt Barnes we know we can be. So, hope you're right. 
Now, the best thing to do would just be say, hey, Garrett Whitlock, you were great last year. Let's just keep yeah. you where you're comfortable and put you in the back of the pen. But we know they're not going to do that because their starting pitching is also injury prone and they may, may need to stretch him out. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. So that wraps up this episode of In the Pen, the final episode before we get to opening day. Stay tuned each and every week as we're going to do similar segments to this. We're going to dive into the latest news, who's losing their jobs, who's moving up the rankings, dive into Rick's list each and every week. We're not going to stop talking about relievers. This is what we do, and we're going to be giving you the latest news as it happens and what it means for fantasy purposes. But where can they find – you mentioned it before. Where can they find you on Twitter? Where can they find this show to keep up with your latest opinions on these many, many relievers? Yeah, uh, find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham, and the show podcast is In the Pen Pod. Man, you can find me at Callan underscore Elslager. I'll be tweeting it out as well. I won't be as smart as Rick, but hey, I can talk into a microphone, and that apparently was good enough for Nick to give me this show. But we're gonna be we're gonna keep diving into these guys. If you want to continue talking with us outside of Twitter, join, please join our Petrolist Discord. You go to petrolist.com slash pl plus. You can subscribe to get 24-7 access to everybody in the PitcherList staff and talk baseball, talk relievers, talk starters, any fantasy questions. We've got our entire staff willing and able to help you. And if you want to talk anything else, we're there to talk that too. And that's maybe more where we spend more of our time nowadays because you know there's only so much baseball you can talk about. But I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Our two teams face off on opening day. We may have to off air do a show bet. On the series, we may have to find some sort of little wait, friendly wager on this series. I like it. Yeah, let's let's do it. So stay tuned for the results of that, and we'll be sure to let you guys know how uh, what we put on it because you let's face it, you'll know who lost the bet by the end of it. But let's go Yankees. Um, that's gonna do it for this episode of In the Pen. Thank you guys for listening to the episode, and stay tuned next week as we finally get into regular season baseball talk. 